Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Morning, everybody. How are you doing? Nice to see some good faces, familiar faces, new faces. New faces, remember that show, New Faces? I've already shown me age. Everybody's saying, what's he talking about? Anyway, welcome. My name's Jonathan, and uh, <laughs> it's nice to be here. I've been looking forward to this morning since um, Boxing Day. Because um, uh, some of you here for the first time, you're really, really welcome. Some of you brought friends. That's a really great thing to do. And I just want to share a couple of thoughts, really, before we get into kind of what God is unpacking over February. February is an interesting month, isn't it? It's, it's a day longer this year. E- even with Brexit having gone, we're still having an extra day. Uh, so there is, I think it's it February the 29th, is that right? Cool. It could be. It is. But you're from Holland, but it's true. Uh, February the 29th is an extra day. Uh, so in, let's enjoy February. And there's a whole lot of stuff that God wants to do in your life and through your life in February. I mean, it does every month, um, but particularly in February. Just turn the person next to you and say, I'm happy that it's February. (laughs) Oh, hello, ecstatic. (laughs) (laughs) What kinds of words? Um... So over these next three Sundays, various of us are going to be kind of be really sharing some thoughts with you around three different kind of areas of who we are and what we do around this one question. So you're ready for this one question? It's a life-changing question. You ready? Any, everybody over here ready? Always. Come mate. He was. Are you ready over here? Are you sure? Are you ready over here? Hello, lovely to see you. You're right. Because that is the question, are you ready? So on Boxing Day, as I was just kind of praying, and uh, our senior pastor texted me to say Happy Christmas and, you know, whatever. He asked me this question, which has been running around in my head since then. So that was from the 26th of December until now. The question was this. What would you do if 50 new people turned up at your church on Sunday? What would you do if 50 new people turned up on the 29th of December? And to be honest with you, I, I did the same as over here. I went, woohoo, come on, bring it on. <laughs> because that's just how I'm wired. But then I also realized, a little bit like the, the story of the ship, and if you've only just been here this morning, then just imagine um, something like Aximet's Victory, or maybe a little bit like the Cutty Sock, slightly different kind of ship. But just imagine a typical parts of the Caribbean ship. How's that? That'll do. We, we could have some big music and Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom and all, whoever else is in it, I can't remember. But just remember a big ship, big solid oak uh, frame thing with, with uh, decks on it and big masts and, and sails and, and God's been getting us ready as church and as you'll hear this morning I'll assume he wants you into that readiness as well to be a full ship the mast is upright the rigging sorted the sails are all mended and now we're going into the deep waters yeah why at, why out in the deeper waters? Because as a church, we want to see people like you, people that maybe you know, come into a reality of knowing who Jesus is. He wants to rescue people. So part of this, are you ready, suddenly made me realise, well, actually, wait a minute. Um, we're actually pretty good here at having people maybe in the crow's nest of the ship. They kind of, they pray a bit, they're looking out into the future a little bit. They're not just looking around about what's happening in the now, but they're looking about what God's showing them in the tomorrow and in the, in the next few weeks. It's great to see people just keeping an eye out. They're making sure that we don't run into things. They're making sure that we recognize where we are and where we're going. So there's, there's crow's nest people in this room. 
you know, you're praying people, you're spending time with God, uh, like we've been doing the encounters, and, you know, we've got this really powerful uh, prayer meeting on Wednesday, and at that, uh, also going to hear a whole lot more about how we're moving some of the dynamics of that to, to let God grow it into something more than a prayer meeting. And you might be thinking, well, is there more to prayer than prayer? Yes, it's called pray and go. The Bible says go and pray, and it also says pray and go. So, but we're talking about that on Wednesday a little bit. But you might be a crow's nest person. You might be someone that is just really good at reading the wind. And not having the wind, I hope, but just reading the wind. And just catching it and knowing when it's in full force and when maybe you've got to tack into it or tack out of it. And some of you are like that. You, kind of, you know how to read life really well. You know maybe how to kind of bring that kind of God-given word in season. And just speak that thing in the right place. And then there are some people that are just really good at just climbing up and down. You know, a bit of energy. is a little bit of intimidation sometimes when you're climbing up the rigging. And the only thing that's holding you up is your faith in God. And there's some of you people here like that. That's why some of the, the blue cards always change to orange ones. They will always change to orange ones. And to be honest, don't really care what your blue card is. It will always change to an orange one. Not because of the colour of the card, but because of the faithfulness of the one who hears the heart. Because God is faithful, as we were singing at the beginning. All of his promises. Say all of his promises. Do you know what that means? It means all of his promises. Whether we've heard them, whether we know them, whether we don't know them or not, all of his promises are faithful, not because we've heard them, but because he said them. Because the amazing thing about the promises of God, unlike yours and mine, is that God always, always commits to fulfill his promise. And he always fulfills his promise. And then there are some people that you know, are just really good at kind of keeping the, the decks clear and keeping them you know, fresh and, 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 and kind of safe for people to be doing what they're doing. And there's some people like that here. You're really just good at looking after your home or looking after your kids if you've got kids or looking after your husbands or wives or whatever or just looking after what God has given you. You kind of know how to get God's best out of it. You know if there's issues in your own heart, in your own life, you know as well as I know that, that nothing can separate you or me from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Isn't that cool? I'm going to say that one again because somebody needed to hear that. It's absolutely nothing the Bible says can separate you from the love of God. Even you. And I realised that ages ago. When it's like, oh God, I'm such a whatever. I do this and I do that and I do that. And God says, I know. Get over yourself. Because the more I'm looking at me, the less I'm looking at him. So one of the things that God wants to do maybe in some of you this morning is to love you so much it just pulls your head from the mirror of your own life into the reflection of his. God's love is really powerful. Really powerful. I, I just meant... 48 hours with an intense, and I mean that in the best possible sense, of time with my family. Intense time. But it is such a joy to watch my almost 14-year-old granddaughter, when she was born, had a massive, massive medical challenge. Like big. Big, 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 big. And I just held her up one hour after her birth and said, God, you're going to have to do something here. Because I can't do this. They can't do this. Mum can't do this. Dad can't. Nobody. Only Jesus can do this. And then I rock up to see her in a pantomime yesterday. Come on. This is the faithfulness of God. God is faithful to his promises. And he's so committed to it that he not only thought of the promise, spoke the promise, but then sent Jesus to fulfill the promise. That's commitment. And there's some people here, you're just really good at keeping the decks clean. And when stuff is happening, it's just, yeah, I'm just going to pray about that. Or maybe I'm just going to change this a little bit or change that a little bit. Everybody is needed on the ship. Everybody's role is important. Everybody's role is significant. Whatever it is that we're doing for the Lord, the Lord wants us to know it matters. It's significant. There's other roles as well, kind of below decks, in the kitchen. How many of you like food? Yeah. There's an oh yeah from Tom. Of course it is. He's seven foot tall. Everybody loves food. <laughs> but without the food, without people who just are hospitable and caring and catering and kind of see the need before people speak the need, 
and I know how to provide, and I know how to kind of resource, and I know how to plan and organize stuff. We need people who are kitchen kind of people. And the worst people to have in the kitchen are people that think the kitchen is their only world. The worst people to have in the crow's nest are people who think the crow's nest is my only world. No, no, they all interlock with each other. And without them all working in partnership, nothing happens. Or if it does, it doesn't happen very well. See, I like the kitchen. When you look at the, the first church, the New Testament church, loads of things are happening in the kitchen. Miracles, people getting healed, people getting provided for, people getting cared for. In fact, they looked at the kitchen to find out who some of the new leaders of the church were going to be. They didn't look at the preaching rotor. They didn't look at the service team leading rotor. They didn't look at the worship team loader. They looked at the faithfulness rotor. Come on. They didn't look at, right, who can we get in to preach the message this week? They said, I'm going to preach it this week. They looked at the faithfulness rotor. People of the Bible says were filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with faith. Totally unknown people in Acts 6, but in Acts 7 they were nation changers. Why? Because they were faithful to the one who was faithful. Woo! You've got someone like Terry over there. I'm going to embarrass Terry because he loves me. What does faithfulness look like? It looks like someone who says one thing and does it. That's what faithfulness looks like. Faithfulness looks like it's someone who makes a decision in their heart. I'm going to do that and I'm going to keep doing that until it changes it. That's what faithfulness looks like. Faithfulness looks like I don't really know how I'm going to do something, but God, I'm going to trust you to do it through me. That's what faithfulness looks like. Faithfulness does something. Faithfulness isn't a word, it's an action. And then you get Terry, you know, he's... he's, (laughs) After 30 years of friendship, two of his closest friends both come to Jesus within the last two years. Now one of them's got to be with him. Without faithfulness, she could have ended up somewhere else. <laughs> faithfulness to the whole needy uh, homeless community that are out there. Some Sunday mornings, when I say, mate, are you doing all right? I look a bit tired. He said, well, I was, yeah, I was up at four. Well, why are you doing that, you, you mad, mad person? <laughs> I was up at four so I could go and cook breakfast for the homeless so that I could come here afterwards. That's faithfulness. Faithfulness is, I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to let go until I see what God says I can see. And all of us, all of us, I think, need to check out, okay, where is it that I'm being faithful in? And who am I being faithful to? Who am I being faithful to? Because loyalty can feel like faithfulness, but loyalty is not the same as faithfulness. Loyalty is an emotional connection, or it's, a, it's something that, yes, it can grow over time, and it's really difficult to kind of, oh, I'm so loyal, and so loyal, and so loyal. But faithfulness is, God spoke, and I've done something. Faithfulness is, God spoke, and I did something. God spoke, and I did something. And I believe God is calling all of us out to be whatever our role is, whether it's up in the crow's nest or on the sails or on the rigging or making sure the mast is secure or keeping the decks clean or under decks, is that God wants to release faithfulness in you and in me today. Thanks for that response. That was cool. I really appreciate that. He wants to release faithfulness because the world doesn't know what faithfulness looks like. It tries to buy faithfulness. It tries to appeal faithfulness. But it's only God speaking that can produce faithfulness that lasts. And here's a shock for some of you, shock for me, is that even when our faith seems to stay in bed, love is still the same. Even when our faith seems to be really teeny-weeny or nothing at all, love remains. Come on. It's like that great testimony. So when, when Rachel came and she said, oh, I've, I've got a Thanksgiving card, but I'm a bit late. I said, well, what is it? She told me, no, do it, because faith does something. And when you hear that faith does something, guess what? It makes you realize he can, if he did it for Rachel, he can do that for me. 
Because the love of God has no favourites. You are all his favourites. <laughs> Is that making some sense to someone? So I'm just going to dip into the Bible a little bit because I do use the Bible. Uh, I love it. Actually, I love it. I consume it, eat it, read it hours during the day, every day. Why? Because God's faithfulness is written down. Because I want to know what God says about stuff. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I don't know about what your journey is with Jesus is like. It might be really, really close. It might seem like really, really distant. But I don't, I'm not never waiting for God to speak to me again. He already has. I've got 66 books of when God's spoken to me. I just want to do a little bit more of this, a little bit more than I did yesterday. And in that, sometimes God speaks to me as well. So if I, if I want to know how to bring my kids up, I read the Bible. If I want to know how to be with other men, read the Bible. If I want to know how to be with other women, read the Bible. If I want to know how to look after marriages, read the Bible. Is that making some sense? You're scribbling loads of stuff down there, Kimberly. Is that right? What's it say? Yes, it does. It says the Bible, read it more and more. She's listening. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an interesting guy. Some people thought he was the shortest person in the Bible, but he's not. Do you know who the smallest person in the Bible is? Who? Good try. Wrong. <laughs> Who's the smallest person in the Bible? Who? Zacchaeus? Yeah. So he was looking for Jesus. He went up a seeking more tree. Is it that one? No, he's not the smallest. Who's the smallest person in the Bible? Come on. Little quiz, you bright, intelligent Christian community. Who's the smallest person in the Bible? Sort of. Do you want to know the answer? Are you ready for the answer? The disciple who fell asleep on his watch. That's as good as it gets. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. I received that. Who was the biggest person in the Bible? Who was the biggest person in the Bible? Who was the biggest person in the Bible? Come on. You're all, you look really smart. You look much smarter than you sound right now. Who's the biggest person in the Bible? I like you. The woman of some area. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, I'm late. I put myself in. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah was, was a guy who, who on, the, on the face of it, had a little bit... Blake's described. Don't don't do it too much detail, because yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> Nehemiah. He was he was doing at the time a really interesting kind of job. Can you remember what kind of job he had? Cupbearer. What does that mean? Do you know what the job in, involved? Uh, well, kind of. But I'll just set the scene. One of the ways in which they used to remove kings at that time was poison them. So who wants to be a cupbearer for the king today? Anybody want to sign up? <laughs> yeah, it's better today, right? But in this day, the way that they, they, would, they would get rid of kings or get rid of people of influence or people they just didn't like, was they poison them either with, with snakes or stuff in the wine. Because everybody drank wine. Wine was cleaner than water. I had a visit to a brewery on Friday, and, and the person stood in front of me and said, you know, when, when this brewery started, back in whenever it was, everybody drank beer. Men, women, children. Why? Because it was cleaner than the water. Because at least it was boiled. And then I realised that in a pint of beer, is your five a day? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm with Blake there. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. See, we're on the same wavelength, Blake and I. Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer. He, he put his life on the line for somebody else. 
Because every time it was meal time, breakfast time, lunch time, however many meals time they had, he was the first person to say whether there was poison in it or not. What a job! But there was something in his heart. He wasn't just aware of the job he was doing. He became aware of the, God that, the, the job that God was trying to do. He heard it said. Some of his friends or some people that knew about him heard about the condition of the city. It was exposed. It was vulnerable. The city needed some help. And there he was miles away tasting wine, hoping that his next sip wasn't going to be his last sip. He was a man of faith. Takes faith to do that. Takes faith to taste the world. It takes faith to touch the world. It takes faith to live in the world and work in the world. Everybody does that. Everybody lives in the world. But when you've got faith in God, you're not there for the world to change you. You're there to change it. And it said in Nehemiah 1 that he kind of heard the condition of the city and it was vulnerable and the places of defence were, were not there and the gates had been burnt or they'd been ripped down. And it, says, I, I, it says in uh, verse 4, I mourned and fasted and prayed. And we've, we're in a season, that, okay, it's got launched in January where it's not mourning like, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, poor old me. Nehemiah was not mourning for himself. He was mourning for the purposes of God. He was upset that God's plan, God's strategy seemed to have been totally sidelined. And because of that, the people of God were getting picked off. I think one of the things that God wants us to engage with is not that we go around in some kind of mournful, heavy-hearted thing, but God wants you and I to feel ready on the inside. That our hearts are ready for anybody to come into our life. Because if you don't know Jesus, and there might be some people here today, you don't know Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about, you will be vulnerable. You're exposed to things that God never wanted you to be exposed to. There's stuff out in the world that wants to lie, steal, cheat, and destroy you. But Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to protect you. Jesus came to guide you, provide for you. And Nehemiah said he, he prayed, he mourned, he fasted before the God of heaven. And, and part of what we've been doing, and some, many of you have been part of this, is we've just been coming before the Lord and we're saying, God, you need to do something. Lord, you need to show who you are because the world can't see you who, as you are. I mean, I, on Thursday night, I don't normally mix with this group of people, but I was meeting up with all kinds of people from church here, over 700 churches within the footprint of the South Downs, which is from Eastbourne right down to Winchester. And, and this July, from the 13th of July to the 18th of July, there's a whole initiative of praying, proclaiming, worship, spending time together every day. We'll hear much more about that in the next few months. But as church, we're supporting that because it's a great initiative. But how did it start? It started because God began to speak about the condition, not of the church, but of the people. You see, I, I, I've given my life to Jesus. I know where I'm going. I know that I'm safe. I know that whatever the world throws, and let me tell you, it throws a lot, my security is in Jesus. But I don't know that everybody knows that. So there's something that is moving in our hearts, and it was moving in Nehemiah's heart. So chapter 2, we're not going to go into all of it, because there's loads and loads of stuff here, and some of it's like, oh, what's Nehemiah, and whatever. But chapter 2, what is it? Chapter 2 talks about a couple of things. In verse 7, it says, um, through this favour, and basically favour is, you know, this guy's job was just as a cupbearer, but obviously the king trusted him. There was an element of trust over time, both ways round. And Nehemiah went to the, to the Lord, this is, uh, to, to the king. This is after he'd been praying and fasting. And he said, can, can you provide safe conduct for me? It's interesting because the king didn't have to do that. He could have just said, actually, I'm not going to let you go. Stay here and get on with it. Stay here because you're either going to succeed or you'll get carried out in a box. He said, but actually, no. Something's happened. 
And I believe as we've been, as we've been praying, fasting, as we've been letting God deal with our hearts, not just in January, but for the rest of the month, the next of the year, is God's doing something. God's releasing favour. He's releasing himself over people's lives. Stay with it. It feels like some of you switched off. Switch back on. So, but send me a letter. So this king who had authority over thousands of trees and hectares of wood said, yeah, I'll give you permission. I believe as people in the church, if you know Jesus, God's given you permission to be on the ship. But he's also given you permission to bring others onto the ship. It's great to have this big ship and you've got people in the, in the crow's nest, you've got people on the sails. But the whole point of this ship is so there's room for others to come on it. In other words, it's not just for itself. It goes down a little bit more. It says, so I, said, I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. What does that talk about? That talks about the God who does more than we ask and more than we imagine. As, as, we've, as we've been praying for people, our loved ones, our family, children, old people, young people, to come to the knowledge of Jesus, we're part of building a, a, a wall around people's lives. We're part of putting in the gates praise, worship, which is why you know, we're going to be rolling out in, in March a whole night where we can just spend time praising, worshipping God and meeting with God all night. I'll say that that'll check our commitment out. Let me tell you, because already what I'm thinking about is like, God, you're going to have to do something to me. And he said, okay, you've just given me permission. God, you're so sneaky. Hallelujah. It says, the king also sent army officers. God is the God who does more than we ask or imagine, the Bible says. And as we're setting out into the deep, God wants to fill it with people. Fill it with your loved ones. Fill it with people who maybe knew Jesus years ago, but don't walk with him. He wants to fill it with people thousands multitudes of people and then there at the end of this uh, verse in verse 10 it says when Samballot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this they were very much disturbed well let me tell you the enemy is already disturbed but this disturbed him why because Nehemiah had come and you want to write this one down if you're taking notes, it will come up on the screen. Nehemiah came to promote the welfare of the people. Their well-being, their now, their tomorrows, their heritage, their futures. And I believe as church, not just our church, but the church, God is entrusting into our season the welfare of many people. Come on, not just people that are here, not just our Christian mates or our unchristian The welfare of people, there are things that God is wanting to release through our lives together which will bring welfare to people. Binding up the brokenhearted, comforting those who mourn in Zion. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen through these ships of destiny, like these fire ships that we were talking about through January. Are we ready? Are we ready to give for the welfare of others? Because it's hard. Quite often we come to church for what we can get out of it. But I think God's kind of turning that around a little bit, some of the language around it, so that actually I'm coming to church so that you can get something out of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then chapter 3, and again, there's loads of people here. And, you know, I've preached on this hundreds of times. And it fascinates me how in the economy of God, in the purposes of God that we're in right now, God will use anybody. He was using silversmiths, he was using lawyers working next to unemployed people. He was using black people working next to white people. He was using anybody because one of the key phrases in chapter 3 is next to him. Just say, next to him. Next to him, there was a jeweller and next to him was a carpenter and next to him. I love the next to him heart that God has for you and for me. Whoever you're next to right now is the very person God wants you to co-work with. Whether you're in the crow's nest or whether you're on the sails, next to him. 
then there are whole sections of the wall which households took responsibility for and they, they built their teams and they delivered. They made sure every stone was right and every next to him is a powerful, powerful commodity. Which is why the enemy wants to break it. He doesn't want us working next to him. He doesn't want it. He wants us to work it next to us. Which is why one of these initiatives like this South Downs Awakening, they reckon there's going to be 10,000 people there on the last day. I tell you what, I'd like to see that. Chanctionbury Rings, known for all kinds of things that it shouldn't be known for. On that day, the 18th of July, is going to be 10,000 people declaring the love and the will of God and speaking blessing over the region. It's going to be awesome. Come on. But it means zip. If on the Sunday, you're still not out in the deep. Ooh. Come on. So God wants us to really get hold of this next to him dynamic. What I love about how we kind of do Sundays here and I don't often say it, probably don't say enough, is this whole bunch of people that just do next to him kind of things. Uh, somebody will turn up early and undo the door, then unlock it, because we're working next to avant-garde, the security team. Then they'll come in and make sure it's all clean and tidy. Why? Because they're working next to the, the, the whole housekeeping team that they spend thousands of pounds on every, every year to clean it. And then people come in here and turn on the power. Why? Because they're working next to him, the CEO of the whole college that was here last week to see how we were doing. And they loved it. You probably didn't even know who it was. They loved it. It's like, wow, where did all these people come from? I said, I have no idea. And to be honest, I don't, I don't mind. Just keep coming. Hallelujah. Because there's a lot to do. And then there's people putting chairs out. Next to him. Next to them. People putting coffee out next to Terry. There's people putting out banners next to Annette, who's not very well today. There's always people doing something next to him or her. And I know not everybody can be here on time or whatever. It's, for me, that's not the point. The point is, is if I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. Because I want to be part of the next to him. Because there's something significant that God does when we cooperate with him and with one another. And the enemy didn't like it. They looked at it, and what should have taken years took days. <laughs> because when we work with this common sense of purpose, we're here for those who don't know God. We're here for those who need their miracle. We're here for those who need their freedom. We're here for those who need to know Jesus in a real life-changing way. When we get a, a good understanding of that, it doesn't matter what we have to do to make sure someone knows that. It doesn't matter. I mean, sometimes I'll just come in and clean the windows. Well, you might think, well, what's all that about? Well, you'll clean your windows at home, wouldn't you? So here's an analogy. that I, I've, I heard it. It's not my analogy. It's somebody else's. But I relate to it. We just had Christmas. Whatever your Christmas has looked like, or just imagine a meal. Let's say that you have a family meal. All right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Have a family meal. You have food, and you ask family to it. Right. Just imagine this then. So on your family meal, you're probably going to tidy up a little bit, even if it's just moving the dust from there to there where you can't see it. Whatever. You're right. You do something. <laughs> yeah. Is that okay to say that? Is it, you know, if you can, you know, kind of think about a menu, you're going to sort it out, you're going to bite, you're going to cook it or microwave it. Ping. Five minutes. Do whatever. All right. But you're going to, you're going to put a little bit more thought into it because you've got people coming. There may be, I don't know about you, depending on the kind of level of the party, maybe some of you will send an invitation out. You know, can you come you know, on that date and uh, be there at 2 o'clock? Maybe if it's slightly less formal than that, or maybe just how that's not how your, kind of your culture in your home works. Maybe the people just turn up, but I can guarantee this, you'll be looking out the window, wondering when they're going to come. Or was that me? Because that's me. You'll see me on a Sunday morning, I, I look out the window because I expect everybody to come to my party. I'm not looking because there's no one coming. I'm looking because I expect everybody to be coming. Are you still with me there? Right, so, we, so people arrive and some people are late and some people are early. And then you get the uncle. 
And please, I hope there's nobody in the room that this is you. You get the uncle, he kind of turns up a bit late. You know, he's a little bit straight. He's a, he's a little bit kind of challenging sometimes. And he'll sit there and he'll eat everything. He'll eat everything and have seconds. And then burp. Blech. You know what I'm talking about? And then afterwards, he'll sit on the sofa, turn the TV on, and then within five minutes, he'll, he's falling asleep. Does everybody identify with, with someone like that? I'm not saying you are like that, please, but you know someone like that. And this uncle, he's, 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 he's come to the party, he's enjoyed all the blessing, all the good stuff about the party. The, he's, he's maybe got involved with some conversations, as long as it's around certain areas. And he's kind of done his best to you know, not dribble or, 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 or break wind too often or whatever. And, and then suddenly, it's time to do a bit of work and he's in the... I don't want to be a lazy uncle. And I don't want you to be either. Because I want to be in the kitchen. I want to be clearing the table. Because that's where relationships are built. That's where purpose is executed. I don't want to be the lazy uncle. I want to get involved. I might not be that great at organising menus. Ask me why, she'll tell you. My menu is really simple. All six Morrisons. Go up there, boom, done. That's it. Well, that's all right. Because that's what I can do. Or I'll pick somebody else and bring them in my car. Because I can do that. But I'm not as good at cooking as my wife is, which is why she does it and I don't. But I'm really good at chatting with people. Much better than Janet is. But then she's much better at the coffee. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you work next to him. Come on. This is making some sense to anybody. So we need everybody here, everybody here, to be next to somebody doing something. Whatever you can do. Whatever you can do. Chapter 4 in verse 15, it starts like this. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot... And that God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Say work. Yeah. Build, build, building a church takes a bit of work. Have, have you noticed that? Organising dinner takes a bit of work. Organising freedom groups takes a bit of work. Organising small groups takes a bit of work. Organising our own lives takes a bit of work. But here's a challenge for us in our personal realm. And if it's you, please, please love me. You'll work at what you believe in and you'll work for what you value. And for some of us, man, you need to know, God thinks you're brilliant. Because if you don't get that, you'll never work towards that. You'll always be working to get it, not working because you've got it. And if I pray enough, God will love me. If I fast long enough, he'll love me. If I turn up on a Sunday and smile, he'll love me. God loves you anyway. And he won't stop. But let me tell you a little secret. I'd much sooner work out of the love of God than work for it. Amen. <laughs> when I gave my life to Jesus, it was weird. Because my whole work dynamic and was, was back to front. I worked because of what I could get out of it. And then I suddenly started loving people. And then I started to work for what I could put into it. It's weird. Very strange. Anyway, I'll go on with this. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour. And if I was um, Rory or one of the younger people, we'd get everybody out role-playing with spears and things, but you get the point. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah. What's Judah mean? Right. This is why praise is so powerful, because it's defensive. <laughs> Praise contains God. The Bible says, I will live in, inhabit the praises of my people. I don't know about you, but when I'm having a bit of a tough old time in the kitchen of my life, I'm not going to talk to the kitchen of my life. I'm going to praise God in the kitchen of my life. When I'm having a few challenges in the crow's nest, it's like, well, I can't see, it's a bit windy. And, you know, you're going like that with the waves. It's like, everything's, I'm going to praise God. Why? Because it's my defense. 
Because he is my defense. It's important that it's praise. That's why over this year, my expectation, our expectation as leadership is the praises of God. People are going to get healed in it. We're going to give their lives to Jesus in it. This whole nation, this whole region is already being impacted by the praises of God. It's just that if we're not in the crow's nest, we don't see it. But if you're in the kitchen, you're cooking for the people that do. Come on. And whether you see it or not is not important. It's whether you're on the boat or not. Whatever you're doing, it might be you just pull the anchor up because you're kind of muscular and you're strong. Whereas for me, it'd be like, can you pull the anchor? It doesn't matter what we're doing. Every part is significant. Those who carry materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Health and safety, where is it? It's crazy. What? They're going to poke someone's eye out with that. People of France. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. What's that about? It's about the carrying call. It's about the timing call. It's about the vicinity call. Prayer is like the trumpet call. So now you've got praise and now you've got prayer. The trumpet call has gone out. Will my people who are called by my name, we can all recite it until we blew in the face. But God is saying, now it's time to do it. Will my people who are called by my name humble themselves? In other words, I want to pray for someone else. I'm going to find God for somebody else's benefit. I'm going to worship for the welfare of somebody else. That's interesting. Is this making some sense to you? This is an interesting message. This is not going the way that I thought it was going to. To be honest with you, I thought you'd all be smiling and tell a few jokes. No. Because what we do on Sundays changes your life. What you do, on some of you are probably sitting there thinking, you're just having a go at me. Yes, I am. And I'm not going to hide behind that. Yes, I am. I am having a go at you. And I, I, I apologise if it's upsetting you. That was not the intention. But you, I don't give offence. We only take offence. So leave it on the floor. But we've got to have much more of a next to him. The work is extensive, he goes on to say, and spread out. And we're widely separated from each other. As the work grows and as people give their lives to Jesus across Worthing and up to Shoreham and Lartzen and Durrington, and they are. So I'll be chatting up with 40 church leaders on Thursday and they're all saying, yeah, God's doing some stuff. Guys at Brighton, flip me. 100 people at a time through Alpha. Really? Come on. I tell you, it's a big ship. I, I'm glad that I'm in that armada. Do you know what I mean by that? It doesn't matter that they're seeing that amount because we're seeing other things and together, man, we're, 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 in, we're unbeatable. <laughs> I love it. And there's another church there in one tent was, they got about 10 in there and their average age is about 1,000. It's not true, I just made that up. But they're an elderly congregation, but man, they know how to pray. Well, we need people who know how to pray. The work is extensive. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Verse 20. So there's two dynamics here, whether we're in the crow's nest, whether we're on the sails, on the rigging, looking after the masts, on the decks, below the decks, is that we have two roles. One is that we watch. What's God doing? How are we doing? And we work. What can I do? What can I do? If we have too much of the watch, we're constantly getting caught up with the latest thing that God seems to be doing. I'll just help you with that one. There is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. And if you have a conversation with someone that says, oh, I've just had this really brand new revelation from God, walk away. Just walk away. So we're watching. What is God doing? What's the direction we're going in? Where's the wind blowing? Are people all right? Is the decks clean? That's not watching, but then there's a working. So we're workmen and we're watchmen. You are. I am. We're praying over our city like we were yesterday at the Breakthrough Prayer. We're praying over our town. We're praying into our house signs like we do at the Impact Prayer Meetings, like we will be doing throughout these nights of prayer. We're watching. We're watching what the need is, and we're watching how God meets the need. And on Sundays, we're watching, we're working. I love it that pretty much all the guys that turn up here, they're, they're full of faith. You hear them. It's like, God's going to do this today. God's going to do that today. 
We're just in a building in Sixth Form College, for goodness sake. People meet in here every day, but not with faith. I mean, last week, or the week before, we had to put 200 chairs out for people to turn up in here that all their faith was in the person giving them the lecture. They had no faith in eternal life or who Jesus was, nothing. So this crew of the ship has different roles, responsibilities, relationships. And here's the challenge. Are you ready? Some people said, I was born ready. Okay, let's prove it then. Because next week, uh, when Andrew and some of his team do the message, it's going to be, are you ready to relate to people? And you might be saying, I'm really good at that. Some of you might be saying, I'm really rubbish at that. But that wasn't a question. It didn't say, are you able? It said, are you ready? <laughs> and then the Sunday after that, when the netter and some of the other guys do that, it'll be, are you ready to leave space for the unsaved, the returning Christians to get on board the ship? The question wasn't, are you able? It's, are you ready? And I found in my, <laughs> my journey with Jesus... It's a really funny question. It's rhetorical. Because God never waits until you're ready. Ever. Because you know as well as I do, and even now maybe you're just working it through, nobody's ready. None of us are ready. But are we willing? Because the Bible doesn't say my people will be ready in the day of my power. It says my people will be willing in the day of my power. But we think ready means something else has got to happen to me. Or I've got to happen to... No, no, God just says, are you willing? Are you just willing? Are you willing to serve our young people? You were young once. I, I've forgotten most of my first 26 years of age because to be honest, I don't want to remember it. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm very thankful that, that all of my children didn't grow up in that, that I did. Because people like Richard and Sharon served them at faith camp for years. Or people like Andrew and Sarah prayed for them for years. Until they found their own faith in Jesus. I'm, I'm thankful that someone else was on the ship that I was on. So, do you understand that? So what's the response from this morning? I think there's two. One is your heart, the other one's your hands. One is your heart, the other one is your hands. First one is this. You might not get what I'm saying yet. You will do, because we're going to be... This is February's messages, right? I'll be ready. But the question beneath that is, am I willing? What is it that I can bring to the meal? could be anything. It could be getting trained up with Steve. Steve drives down from Croydon every week. Oh, it's, not, it's, it's not like next door, right? I mean, I don't even like Croydon. It's Ikea and everything. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And when I first met Steve, we used to kind of joke, joke him a bit too much about, he, he had to wear a stab jacket to live in Croydon. Because that's where most people of a certain age got stabbed. But actually, I want to be on the ship that goes to that town now with a different message. He's, he's driving down from Croydon. I mean, Rory's family are moving from Sweden, for goodness sake. God is stirring up people and saying, actually, if you're willing, get involved. Get involved. Do something. Put a chair out. Join the Connect team. Be a smiley face. Be the first person that a new person sees. Because when we're in teams on Sundays, we're still watching and we're still praying. Because I see it. Terry doesn't just sort out the teas and the coffees. He's praying. We're not just chucking chairs around. We're praying for everybody on the chairs. And that's another, like, they're not just putting up flags. They're praying that people will see. Because we're building a city. We're building something significant. So when we've had a bit of a tea or coffee, unless you just leave straight away, which you might do that, 
is that there's an opportunity to chat with some people that run some of the teams, hopefully. J247, children, kids, what a great investment of our time to invest in the next 20, 30, 40 years of somebody else's life. That's pretty cool. In fact, here's, another, here's an interesting thing. Most of our current children's team, none of them have children in the group. None of them. But they love God and they love people. <laughs> well, I find that fascinating. Uh, the lady that's running United today doesn't have any young people in it of her own, but she loves God and she loves people. Because that's, that's all you need. Love of God, that you want to make a difference. Let's all stand up, shall we? Thank you for your patience, because it's not, to be honest, not an easy message. I'd much sooner do a, yay, come on, Jesus is going to heal everybody. But after January, where it was really, really God-focused, this is really God-focused. But this is where the rubber of life has to hit the road of life. So, you know, have a chat with some guys. There's tables over there with different bits of information on there. Even if it is, okay, I don't know that I can do anything. But let's have a chat. Everybody can chat. I've heard you. Everybody can talk because I've heard everybody talking. Grab a coffee with you, a cup of tea or, or juice or whatever it is. Just talk because for me, the next to him dynamic is the most important one. Is we're all in this together. I know some of you have kind of joined us for you know, the last few weeks. We need you. We need you to get involved. Some of you, it's your first day today. We need you to get involved because I know when you do, you, you, get, you become stronger and you become much more effective. So, Father, I want to thank you that you've called all of us to be on this ship. That it's been, it is going, it's left the dock and it's going out into the depths of life and, uh, and all the stuff, all the storms and all the calms and everything that's out there. But I want to thank you that you are equipping us and you have equipped us in whatever role that we're in, whatever it is, that we can watch and we can pray, that we can watch and we can work. Because I know that your purpose is in the ship, it's in people, and it's for people. So I just pray that in this next 10, 15, 20 minutes, is that we just chat, we just talk to each other about maybe our passions. Maybe we'd love to start doing that, or maybe we'd love to start doing this. There's nothing off the agenda. We don't have all the answers, Lord, but we know you do. And it may be that it's just stuff that we've been running with in our heart. And it's like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know who to talk to. Well, Lord, let this be an opportunity just to talk. Let's get it out onto the table of opportunity so that we can see those things grow. And Father, for these next couple of weeks, maybe, maybe we've got a real passion to, to, to run a midweek group, a small group or something. It's like nobody's ever asked me. Well, let's not use that as an excuse. Man, I'm going to talk to someone about, actually, this is on my heart. This is my passion. This is how I can serve people. And let's, let's work with that. Or it might be you want to get involved with the youth or the children. Well, let's, let's get involved with that. Let's make those things happen. Maybe you're just really great at sorting out visuals and you know all about IT and techie stuff. Great. We want to work with you with that. But, man, we want to build your walk with Jesus in that. We're not looking for free labor. We're looking for city builders. So I thank you for the grace. I thank you for the great, wonderful people that are here this morning, the kids, United. That we're in an exciting season of your grace and your favor right now. And I thank you that many, 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 hundreds, thousands of people's lives are going to be impacted and affected because of what you're doing in us and through us, not just in this church, but in the church in Worthing. I thank you for churches that are relocating. They're, they're stretching out in faith to get buildings and resources. Father, we just thank you for the privilege of working with churches like that. I thank you for churches that are just developing new youth-focused things because they want to impact the, the, the teenage years. I thank you that we're able to work with those because we are an armada. And I thank you that we're an armada for God. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. Man, let's give the Lord some praise, shall we? Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.